come on with it. Man, it's so good to be with you today. Gosh, I have to say, we've been through some stuff, people. We, we, have, we, we, we were asking questions that I never thought we would ask in Austin, Texas. Like, where can I get water? Okay? I told my wife, I said, hey, I didn't go overseas for a reason. Okay? I'm not made for this. Like, this is not, I need my toilets to flush. Amen? Right? Like, this is, I, I'm, I'm not on the melt snow for water team. Okay? Like, that's not, that's not the team that I want to be on. But uh, in all honesty, uh, if you need help, please let us know. Uh, it, it, it was a tough, tough, tough couple of days. And uh, if you find yourself in a place of need practically, and hear me, what we went through was not just an environmental challenge, it was an emotional challenge. Don't neglect that. And, and so we're, we're not just here to help you practically. You heard about some of the things we're doing, kind of partnering with uh, some amazing organizations in the city to help practically clean up the mess of the storm, but we also have freedom prayer teams that would love to pray for you to help you sort out emotionally what happened in the storm. So if you need anything, track down somebody that's wearing a name tag or a lanyard and say, I need help. And our team wants to do everything that we can to be the church to you and for you. Amen? Uh, and look, I just want to echo what Jessica says. If you're in a place where you can help, it matters that you do help. All right? We want our city to know and to feel and to see. You know what? Antioch cares because we serve a God that cares. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so if you're in a position where you can help, even for like an hour, it doesn't matter how small it is. It matters that we just do what we can uh, because people are hurting, and it's our responsibility. Can I say that, church? It's our responsibility as the people of God to engage people in their pain and bring them hope. And so we have an opportunity here in this crazy window uh, that we've uh, been all walking through together. So um, what we want to do, kind of honestly in light of that, now we couldn't plan. It would, I'd have to say, like, yo, you're talking about epic if we actually plan this. Because if we could plan winter storms to tie into messages, this is next level team organization here. All right, I can't take credit for that. But... What, what, what I can say is that God teed up this message. God, God teed up this series that we're going to be walking through over these next couple of weeks. And this is what we're calling. We're calling it Hey Siri. Hey Siri. How many of you have said that today? Hey Siri. Look, Siri is helpful. Can I get an amen? Siri is Helpful. And, and, and you know where Siri is helpful? Siri is helpful when we're lost and when we're confused. Or when we're wrong. Right? Siri is, is helpful. And the reason why we're calling this series, Hey Siri, is because what we have been through over this past year, and dare I say, over these past couple of weeks, is causing a new level of confusion in culture. I was talking to a friend of mine actually a couple of days ago, and, and we were using the, this, this phrase, it feels like we're walking through a fog. 
And, and you know what's crazy about trying to navigate through fog is that on a really, really foggy day, it is easy to get disoriented. On, on a really foggy day, it, it is easy to get turned around, to think you're going the right way when actually you're going the wrong way. If you don't know where to actually turn when you are in the midst of fog, you might find yourself at a destination that you didn't want to be at. And, and we are living right now in a time that is foggy. Culture is foggy. Have you felt it? Have you read the news? Culture is foggy. It seems like the fog in the chaos in the fog is only increasing, right? We're only just getting into 2021, and I'm kind of like, dang, can we go back to 2020, right? I mean, life is getting a bit foggy. And so we need to understand where do we go? Where do we turn? What direction do we head when it feels like we're walking through a fog bank where we're easily disoriented, where we can easily lose our way, and and where we can get deceived? And Siri helps us practically Look, this, this, this happened not too long ago, actually. Every night in the Griffin house, when we have dinner, we ask two questions. What was your favorite part of the day? And what are you thankful for? That, that's going to happen every single night. When we sit down, we're hanging out together as a family, we, we, we run it through. Hey, Sophie, what, do you, what, what was your favorite part of the day? What are you thankful for? We, we do that every single night. Now, here's the deal. This was back... You remember back when we used to be able to have a life and kids went on field trips? You guys remember back that far? <laughs> so this, this happened. My, my, my 11-year-olds all went on a field trip together to the Texas History Museum. Okay? Now, the Texas History Museum exists to prove that Texas is the best state. <laughs> all right? So if you're not from Texas, welcome home. We're glad to have you, but you're here for a reason, so don't change what you find, Okay? Can I get an amen? And so they're, they're in the Texas History Museum and, and on this field trip, and they're, they're, having a, they're having a great time. And so Tate was fired up. Tate loves history. He's a lot like his dad. You know, anything with any historical relevance is just super exciting for him. And, and so he says his favorite part of the day, we're going through that night. We're like, dude, what was your favorite part of the day, Tate? He said, by far, my favorite part of the day was at the Texas History Museum. I got to see the prison bars that Stephen F. Austin was behind when he was imprisoned in New Mexico. That's what he said. Now, it didn't take 15 seconds until our resident fact checker in the family, Sophie Griffin, his older sister, says, hey, Tate, he wasn't in prison in New Mexico. He was in prison in Mexico City, Mexico. And then Tate said, full of Texas History Museum confidence, no, Sophie, you are wrong. He was in prison in New Mexico. And Sophie's like, Tate, no, you are wrong. He was, and I'm like, stop it. (laughs) Hey, Siri. (laughs) How many of you have had to do this? Hey, Siri, where was Stephen? 
Jeff Austin in prison. And Siri said, Stephen F. Austin was in prison in Mexico City, Mexico. So I look at my son, Tate. And I say, Tate, dude, you are wrong. Your sister is right, and you are wrong. And Tate, instead, okay, I have empathy for this, what I'm getting ready to say, because he is my son. Instead of saying, wow, I was wrong. I must have misread the plaque that was underneath the bars. He looks at me, full confidence, and says, Dad, I wonder how many other things are wrong at the Texas History Museum. (laughs) Siri can be helpful when we're fact-checking our overly confident children. But Siri is not equipped to guide us through the complexity and the fog of the confusion that we're living in. Yeah, you you can ask Siri, where do I go from here? Go for it. Give it a shot. You, you, You can ask Siri, where do I go from here? As we're all trying to navigate what is life? look like? What does school look like? What does church look like in this post-pandemic society that we're all living in? You could ask that question to Siri. You, you can ask Siri, how do I handle the culture, pr- cultural pressures that I am, or, or for some of us parents, how do we handle the cultural pressure that my child is facing in light of the sexual revolution that's happening in culture? Or, or you could ask Siri, how do I hear God's voice for what's next in my life in the noise of what I'm hearing culture's thoughts are for me as I'm trying to figure out what's next for my life? Yes, yeah, Siri might be helpful in pointing us in a direction as we wrestle through these big questions that come up. But Siri was created, hear me, to be a tool not to be your authority. Siri was created to be a tool, not to be an authority. Siri is not a theologian. Siri is not a filter for us of ideas, thoughts, and opinions that are contrary to the word of God. And in light of being in a day and age when we have access to so much information, it becomes so important that we know where to go as we're seeking answers to these big questions that we are all facing in the fog of culture. Because it's easy to get turned around in the fog. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, who is a young guy leading a big church, and he was getting blasted with thoughts and opinions and information and ideas and everything and anything. He says this in 1 Timothy 6, verse 3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not agree to sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching... They are conceited and understand nothing. 
They have an unhealthy interest. Let me just read this sentence, and I want you to think. Does this sound like 2021? They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels and words that result in envy and strife and malice talk and evil suspicions and and consistent friction between people of corrupt mind. Did Paul write this to Timothy or did Paul write this to us? And he goes on and he says, who have been robbed of the what? Truth. Who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. I want you to jump with me to verse 20. Timothy, guard what you've been entrusted to your, what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away. Turn away from, listen to this, godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from their faith. Hear me. We have to know where to turn when big questions come up in life. Because right now, there is a lot of chatter. There's a lot of ideas out there. And we have to know where do we turn so that we can be led into clarity and truth and not taken down a road of confusion, devastation, and to quote Paul, a departing from our faith. Jesus would say a similar thing to this in Matthew 6, verse 22. He says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be filled of light. Darkness. Jesus is saying what we look at, where we turn, what becomes our focus affects everything. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, if you're looking at the right things, then your whole body will be full of light. And this is the question that I really want us to lean into over these next couple of weeks as we're in this Hay series season. And this question is this, where do we turn? So where do we turn? If we have to be careful where we turn, where do we go? If we have to guard what our eyes see, then what do we look at? Where do we turn? In the confusion of culture, where do we turn? In the chaos and the fog that we're living in, where do we turn? And if you have a Bible, I want you to jump with me to Joshua 1. Joshua 1. Now, the book of Joshua is the story of the people of God stepping into the promised land. That's what the book of Joshua is all about. It, it It is the story of the people of God stepping from wandering in the desert and stepping into the land that was promised to them. Now, the reason why they were wandering for 40 years up to this point 
was that they refused to obey God, and therefore, their lack of obedience led them into a 40-year season of transition. Can I just say, it matters that we do what God says. So now they were a different generation, the Bible tells us, a generation that was willing to obey the word of the Lord and to move forward into where God had called them to go, even if what it looked like was scary and intimidating. How many of you know that obedience does not mean easy? That transition does not mean smooth. And the people wandered for 40 years because they feared opposition. And it took a different generation that would say, I'm not going to be crippled by what I see. I'm going to be driven by the faith that I have. And so the people now, after 40 years of wandering around in the desert, they are now positioned to step in to what God had given them. And right as they are ready to do this, Joshua 1.1, this is the opening statement of Joshua after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. What? It's important that we understand that what the people were feeling would have been at the very least unsettling. I don't know what they were feeling, but I know what I was feeling when I was sitting in my living room under every blanket that we owned with all of my children and all of my dogs around our fireplace. I was like, what now? Did you feel that? Like this winter storm, Yuri? Felt like a gut punch. I'm like, dude, life is already hard. Now you're going to take my water? <laughs> I was like, I've already been stuck in my house with my kids for like 14 months. Now they can't even go outside because it's seven degrees. <laughs> I live in Texas, man. I don't do seven degrees. You feel me? I don't do that. It's like 40 degrees. I'm like, that's good. That's a good base. All right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't like it when you go outside and it hurts. You know what I mean? Like, the air hurts. It, like, hurt. I, I went outside and I was like, this hurts. Okay? Like, no. And, and we have people that watch. We, do you know we have people gathering all over the country? We got a group of people watching in New Mexico where it gets for real cold. Bless you. Okay, like, I, I, as I'm sitting there covered in all those blankets with all my children in the dark. And I thought we were prepared, man. You know what I mean? And then you realize, like, we're not prepared. We don't got the right batteries, man. Like, you know, I turn on all the flashlights and not all of them are dead. I'm like, it's cool. We got, the, we got batteries. I put, they're the wrong size batteries. Right, so I got, I'm sitting in the dark, and, and I literally, it felt like I was getting punched in the gut, and I'm like, oh, I just, where are we supposed to go now? My home is not even a refuge. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
I, I think that it was probably eerily similar to the questions that were coming up in the people of Israel as the man that they had grown to trust, the man who had given them direction when they were lost, the man who had, God had used to split the Red Sea, the man that God had used for water to flow out of the rock, even in their, their inconsistency, the man that was faithfully consistent to look God in the eyes, to be a beacon of truth in the midst of chaos, is now he's gone. How many of you know that the people were fearful in their transition? In Joshua 1, the people were asking the question, where do we go from here? They, they had been in a season of transition for 40 years. Look, none of you maybe have moved over the past couple of months, but you have been forced into a season of transition. All of us, everything is different. How we go walk into a room is now different. How we greet each other is now different. How we learn is different. How we go to work is different. Look, it doesn't matter who you are. You have been forced into a season of transition. And transition can feel terrifying if you don't know what you're transitioning to. The feeling when you leave your job for another job is very different than when you're asked to leave your job. They're both transition, but one feels very different because one has a landing place and the other one feels like it's landing into uncertainty. So when we're in transition and we don't know where we're going and we don't know where we're pointing and we don't know where we're landing, when you're in that place of transition, that's where we start getting overwhelmingly fearful. And I would say this, that our culture is more scared than it's ever been. And the reason is, is because from, from California all the way to New York, everybody is in a forced season of transition. And most people do not know where they're landing in the transition. And so their transition is causing them to be fearful about what is not or what is coming versus them being able to find a resting place, knowing that although they're in transition, there is a firm place for them to land. And the people of Israel in Joshua were in a season of transition. They were transitioning for 40 years, and now they're moving from wandering into the promise. And, and it's important that we understand that, that God begins to speak to them, understanding the questions that were coming out of them. When you're in transition and it seems like things are going into harder and harder and harder, there is a universal question of where do we go from here? What am I supposed to do now? We ask it, they asked it, and God begins to speak right to it when he says this in Joshua 1 verse 10, verse 2. Now then, you, God is speaking directly to Joshua here, and all these people, Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites, and I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Now listen to this. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I want you to see that there are two things that God tells Joshua and the people as they are asking the question, where do we go from here? The, the first thing that God speaks to them is God tells them where to go. He says, I want you to cross the Jordan River into the land that I am about to give them. Now, do not miss the significance of this moment. They were not just crossing the river. This was the first steps into the promise. This was the first steps into the fulfillment of the covenant that God made with Abraham years and years and years before. I want you to see that when the question of where do I go from here comes up, God tells us keep heading where you've always been heading. Keep heading where you've always been heading. Don't miss this. This is going to help somebody. One of the most important things that we can do when it feels like everything is shifting is keep moving towards heaven. When it feels like everything is foggy, we have to keep moving towards heaven. We have to keep moving towards the promised land. We have to keep moving towards hope. We have to keep moving towards life. We have to keep moving towards Joy. You might feel like those things are a long way off right now, but, but, but there, there's a couple of fights that you might have to fight to get to them in the future, but we have to just keep moving towards heaven. God said, look, I know you feel uncertain. I know you're asking some big questions right now. I know everything that you were hanging on to that you thought would never shift is now shifted. And God says, keep moving towards the promised land. Keep stepping towards it. Keep making your way towards the promise. Keep fighting for the things of the kingdom. Keep fighting for love. Keep fighting for joy. Keep fighting for hope. Yeah, we, we got to keep believing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to keep moving towards heaven. I get asked often, in light of everything that is changing in culture and with COVID 
and all the, the shifts and the dynamics of church and community and all that, I get asked all the time, what are we going to change about how we do church in light of di- the dynamics that are happening in culture? I get asked this by people in our congregation. I get asked this by other pastors, as I sit on lots of different groups of pastors. And here's my answer. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're doing what we can to reach people, but the foundations of what we do, nothing is changing. Why? Because when it gets foggy, we head towards heaven. We don't try to find a different way. We keep leaning in to the very same things that we've always been leaning into. Because it's easy to get disoriented in the fog. And so we have to just keep moving towards heaven. We have to keep moving in the direction of the promised land. And after God spoke to Joshua about where they needed to go, this is what he said. He says, I want you to go here. And and, and this is what he says. I want you to turn here. Where do we go in the fog? We go towards heaven. Where do we turn? We turn right here. Be careful to obey all the law my servant gave you. Don't turn from it to the right and to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything that is written in it. Where do we go in the big questions in life? We go towards heaven. Where do we turn in the big questions of life? We turn to the authority of the word of God. We need to understand that there is a full frontal assault on the church and from within the church attacking the authority and the validity of the word of God. In this, I want you to see that the very first thing that the devil accused Eve, he says, what did God really say? We have to understand that the word of God is the key to life. This struggle that we are in is not a new struggle. The doctrine of the authority and the inherency of scripture is rooted in the doctrine of God. And what that means is that God is true and trustworthy. And so is his word recorded in the Bible. Meaning that all things that the Bible says are wholly true. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, all of it. They were God breathed into existence from the mouth of God. And what that means for us is that Everything that the Bible says holds in it the authority of God's own voice to us. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Don't miss this. It then becomes impossible to say that we believe in God, yet we do not believe in all of his word. This is huge. To remove the inherency of scripture in it, in any way, shape, or form, removes the foundation of our faith itself. So it might feel really, really small in a moment to say, you know what, I'm not going to believe that part of the Bible anymore. That might feel insignificant to you. Oh, man, because of the pressures of culture, I'm not going to believe that part of the Bible anymore. And because of just what, what I'm sensing, what the temperature of culture, I, I don't know if that part of the Bible is for today. It might feel small in the moment to say, you know what, I'm not going to believe that God meant what he said when he defined marriage as one man and one woman. It might be easy to just be like, you know what? I'm not going to believe what God said about sex outside of marriage. That doesn't count really now. You know how expensive it is to live in Austin? It's cheaper for us just to have an apartment together. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to believe what the Bible says about that right now. Because it doesn't fit with my life right now. It is impossible for you to believe God and to subtract the inherency of Scripture. So just call it what it is. It gets confusing for people who are trying to get their life right with God when people are picking and choosing what they want to believe of God. So do us all a favor and just say, you know what, I'm a sinner. And we'll welcome you with open arms and we'll read the Bible together and let's all change. But quit subtracting things from what is wholly true and try to get me to believe that that means that it's true. When we, un- when we remove the authority of Scripture from our lives, listen to me, we remove the power of Scripture from our lives. What did God tell Joshua? Don't depart from this, and then what will happen? You'll be prosperous and successful. When you remove yourself from the Word of God, do not expect victory to happen in your life, even if you use the Word of God. We have to go back to 1 Timothy 6 when these big questions come up in life. Where do I go from here? What do I do now? We have to make sure that we are turning away from godless chatter. We have to turn away from godless chatter and opposing ideas of what is called false Knowledge, which some have professed in doing so, they've done what? They've departed from their faith. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to believe God and not believe all of his word. The Bible will win in culture. Can I say that? What it can feel like right now is that the Bible's losing in culture, but that's not true. Because the Bible always wins. 
Look, we, we like to think that the things we're going through and the fights that we're fighting are unique to us. But they're not. If you go back in church history, there has always been a pull to depart from the truth of Scripture towards the temperature of culture. There's always been a pull. And so it is our obligation, it's our privilege, it's our responsibility to say, you know what? We are going to believe that the Bible is true. We are going to turn away from the godless chatter. We're going to turn away from the opposing ideas that are falsely calling themselves knowledge. And we are going to turn towards the word of God. We're going to turn towards heaven because the Bible will always win in culture. And hear me, the Bible will always create victory in your life. Look, a few years ago, some of you know this, my wife had a stroke. And that first week after she had the stroke, I was feeling fear and asking questions that, that were bigger than I felt like I could handle. Like, is my wife going to survive? Is she ever going to be able to walk again? Is she going to be able to talk without a lisp? Things I never thought that I was going to be having to answer. All of a sudden, I'm having to answer these questions that felt really, it was foggy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I was sitting on my living room floor. And by the grace of God in the fog, I turned to the same place that I had turned time and time again. And instead of turning to my emotions that were leading me down a fearful, devastating path, I turned to the authority of the Word of God. And, and, and I, I started reading 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 alone in my living room. I said, God did not give me a spirit of fear. But God gave me a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of of a sound mind. I started reading 1 John 4, verse 18, and it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And as I sat under the authority of the Word of God alone in my house, the fear that was gripping me was replaced with an understanding that God was with me. Oh, I wish I had three people that heard what I just said. So, some of you are, are, are gripped right now with uncertainty. You're gripped with fear. You're gripped with the, the big questions of where do I go from now? How am I going to pay my bills? What am I supposed to do now? They left me. He left me. My kids are acting crazy. And you're gripped with all sorts of questions that are too big for you to answer. And you need to turn away from the godless chatter. And you need to turn to the authority of the Word of God. And you will become overwhelmed that the things that are gripping you are no match. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're no match for the authority of the Word of God because the Bible always wins. I want you to stand to your feet with me. Joshua 1.8 again, it says that the book of the law was always on our lips. We meditated on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you'll have victory and then you'll be prosperous and successful wherever you are today. If you're here in the room, if you're watching online, if you're listening to this in your car, 
I believe that God wants to meet you in the uncertainty of your transition and show you the way towards heaven and the security of turning away from the godless chatter and towards the supremacy and the inherency of the word of God. I know there's some big questions going on right now. I know there's been some hard stuff that have come up in life right now. I know that there's been some difficulty. There's some things that you never thought that you would have to endure. There's some some questions you never thought that you would have to answer. But hear me, there is a grace in the Word of God for you to find what you need so that what has been trying to hold you down no longer can and you can stand on top of it and you can say I want to trust in the authority of the word of God I'm I'm not going to trust my emotion I'm not going to trust the fog I'm not going to try to make my own way I'm going to trust in the supremacy of the word of God and I'm going to find what I need in that place let's just open our hands to heaven Lord I ask that you would open our eyes to see where we have turned to godless chatter where we have turned to false knowledge and Lord I pray that you would begin to show us where we need to turn away from those things and begin to step into the truth of the word of God that we would know how to go towards heaven and that we would know where to turn in the word of God so that the things that feel like they're gripping us will lose their grip as we are becoming overwhelmed with our understanding that you are with us, you never left us, you never forsaken us, that you are here, that you are moving, that your power is real, that you are never going to allow us to encounter things that are beyond your ability to rescue us from it, Lord. And so right now, when we begin to experience the power of sitting underneath the authority of the Word of God, the truth of heaven, In the name of Jesus, everybody say,